Hey Tubes, it's your old buddy Bucho, just dropping in here before we launch to give a spoiler warning for Son of Dathomir. So if you don't want to know what happens in the Darth Maul story, Son of Dathomir, skip forward from about the 4 minutes 0 seconds mark and start listening again at about the 6 minutes 50 seconds mark. And with that, let's get ready for takeoff on Season 7, Episode 9, Old Friends Not Forgotten. I can see things are going splendidly on this front. It's no good. We can't locate the tactical droid. He's staying out of sight. Anakin, where are you? I'm right here. What are you doing down there? We are taking cover. Now get down. You're not serious. There's only a thousand droids down there tops. What are you up to? Where's Captain Rex? We already finished our battle, so we decided to come help you with yours. You're overdoing it. Again. Master, I mean no disrespect. If you want, I can hide here with you and we can let the people in the city suffer longer. Now, Anakin, you know I... We can do things my way and help them now. All right. I know better than to try and stop you. What's your plan this time? Stay here. It's time for Send in the Clones! Join your hosts, Buto and Robbie, on an epic journey through a galaxy far, far away as they follow the escapades of Anakin Skywalker and the Jedi Knights with the clone army of the Republic in their struggle against Count Dooku and the droid army of the evil Separatists. So step in and prepare for adventure because it's time to Send in the Clones! In this episode, Ahsoka and Anakin convince Obi-Wan to break centuries old treaties by allowing the newly promoted Commander Rex to take half of the 501st to invade Mandalore on behalf of Bo-Katan. But after a successful illegal invasion, Ahsoka discovers that she has been lured into a trap by the dastardly and unkillable Maul. Hey, troops, it's your old buddy Bucho. The Clone Wars are okay. My first ever watch of the Clone Wars, and next to me in the dropship, he's watched the first six seasons of the Clone Wars three old times. He's the Anakin to my Ahsoka. It's a trusty pal, Robbie. How's it going, everyone? And you had better believe we are here to talk about the 130th episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars chronology, written by some guy called Dave Filoni and directed by Saul Ruiz, who also directed Gone with a Trace. It's season seven, episode nine, Old Friends Not Forgotten. And Robbie, let's roll out this one with me bringing up something from last episode because I think I called Maul Palpatine Stooge or words to that effect because the last time I saw Maul, Palpatine was basically effortlessly destroying him and his brother and basically making Maul his pet again. So I had assumed that when Bo-Katan brought up Maul in the previous episode and when Ahsoka found out that Maul was still on Mandalore, she was talking about a Maul who was now ruling Mandalore on secret behalf of Palpatine, that Maul is doing Palpatine's bidding, that he's, like I said, Palpatine's pet again. That's how it plays when you've only watched the show. But what it didn't factor in was a certain story called Son of Death Amir. And what I found out after last week's episode during the week was that Son of Death Amir maybe advances Maul's story to a position where he's maybe not Palpatine's pet anymore. So what can you tell us about this Son of Death Amir story and about how Maul's story progresses in that story and about how we should be looking at this Maul because anyone who hasn't read Son of Death Amir, which I presume is the majority of the audience, is still thinking that Maul is Palpatine's pet. Well, yeah, and it's 
Son of Dathomir was based on a story arc for the Clone Wars that, of course, was not produced. And what's interesting about that, too, is that uh, Amazon Prime right now, if you have Amazon Prime, you can read that comic for free right now. So it's actually kind of cool that, and I don't know if it's part of some promotion with Star Wars or if it's a, I don't know what it is, but I just know that that's, that's, that's cool though. That's one of the things that I, in my, I guess, research again, because I had read it a while ago, but I, I had forgotten the details. But, uh, what I did was I went through a, uh, a video that kind of explains what Son of Dathomir is all about. And basically what happens is... Is that a Star Wars Explained video? It is a Star Wars Explained video. From the Star Wars Explained YouTube? Yes. Nice one. Good to know. Yeah, it's a great... Check that it, out. It's a great little... Uh, in fact, I'm probably going to hit uh, most of the points that he brings up because it's it's really the, the high level of what happens in, in this story. But basically what happens is, you know, Sidious basically takes Maul prisoner and... He's at the spire and he's being tortured. And Death Watch, the remaining members of Death Watch, come to get Maul out. But Sidious allows for this to happen. So the plan is for Sidious is for Maul to lead Sidious and his, I guess, uh, his troops, his people, to Mother Talzin because he wants to basically take Mother Talzin out. So what happens is Mother Talzin knows this and expects this as well. So they set a trap for Grievous and Dooku on the planet Zambar, leading for Grievous and Dooku to be captured. So Maul and Mother Talzin are basically... <laughs> it's kind of a cool thing. But then the Jedi get involved, they attack, and in the, in the kerfuffle, Grievous ends up escaping on his own, and then Dooku and Maul <laughs> team up to escape the Jedi. Grievous runs away? Are you t- hang on a second. Are you telling me Grievous runs away after a defeat? Yes. Yeah, well, he kind of, sne- I, I think it's like a, he almost like sneaks out, you know what I mean? He sneaks off. Yeah, that sounds like El, El Grievous. Right. So, Dooku and Maul, they escape from the Jedi, and they escape to Dathomir. And at that point, Talzin basically starts attacking Dooku, drains him of some of his life force, and at that moment is when Sidious and Grievous attack. And what ends up uh, happening is... Talzin holds back all of those forces long enough for Maul to escape. So Maul gets out on his own, but Talzin is overwhelmed and she is killed by Grievous. What? Yes. Then at that moment, or at that point, or the end of the story, is Maul fleeing to Mandalore with the surviving members of Death Watch. So the Maul that we see in this episode is no longer a Maul that is Palpatine's puppet. He is a Maul who is independent again, and he doesn't have Mother Talzin to turn to anymore. So we, I guess, look at him more like we looked at him when he was ruling Mandalore as an independent. Although, obviously, he doesn't have his brother at his side anymore. You know, at that time, he was ruling Mandalore. So it's almost like a reset. It's almost like a reset, except Savage is gone. And so... I don't know. Does that make sense? Is that what we're looking at? Yeah, and I think it... I mean, even more than that, I think it's Maul at his most desperate. And if you look at, especially the way that, you know, he... Well, we're going to get to this, I guess, later in the episode, but he's back to his vengeful, kind of one-track mind self, you know? Because that's what he wants. He wants Kenobi, right? Right. So it's interesting just to try to figure out where this ends up being... With respect to, like, Solo, right? Because he's in control of Crimson Dawn in Solo. But, like, 
he's still trying to almost like amass his army or amass his power at that point like you see in in solo so does solo happen before sidious attacks you know that's the weird thing is it's kind of hard to to figure out exactly where that takes place because i feel like solo is maul at his most powerful and his most well just powerful and influential with the pikes and black sun and all of these other crime syndicates he's got all that power with Crimson Dawn, so where does this take place? We don't know, but it is it is interesting. It's a lot of fun. Yeah, I mean, I'm sure that timeline will become clear at some point, hopefully sooner rather than later, but for now, what we have is Season 7, Episode 9, Old Friends Not Forgotten, which opens with the good old red Darth Maul theme logo and the Star Wars theme before plunging us into the news that Grievous has been hammering at the Outer Room so we see Jedi like Ayla Secura and Plo Koon dispatched to deal with the old head clanker. But we join the action not with Ayla or Master Plo, but with Commander Cody of the 212th under the gun on a planet called Yobama. And as the old saying goes, where there's a Commander Cody, there's an Obi-Wan Kenobi. And where there's an Obi-Wan, you may often find his old pal, nay his brother, General Anakin Skywalker. And where there's an Anakin, you're likely to find an R2 and a Captain Rex. And so after Anakin tricks this pesky Separatist tactical droid into exposing himself, and then Anakin goes into slice and dice mode, Rex and his 501st go into they fly now mode and turn themselves into bombers. And before you know it, the tide has turned. The Battle of Obama is won. How did you like this opening, what is it, five minutes of Old Friends Not Forgotten, Robbie? It's... Hot and heavy action, real fast. It's Anakin being that cheeky, super confident old Anakin that we know and love. Well, it's kind of funny. You you bring up that beginning, you know, just as it starts. And you've got the original Lucasfilm Limited logo there at the front. And I'm like, all right, what are you up to, Dave? You know, I mean, right then, I'm already thinking this is going to be this. is It's almost like a throwback to that kind of feeling. And it almost, it made me think of uh, Luke and, and uh, R2 in the, in the Falcon, in The Last Jedi. You know, that's a cheap move. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, but sure. But then the music starts, and I'm like, okay, they're really going for it. This is almost like, this is George's story, and we're going to be getting something special here. And it was. I mean, I feel like the previous episodes almost felt not as sure-footed. I wouldn't say clumsy. But just not as sure-footed. I guess that's the best way I can say it. Because, man, as soon as this thing starts, there's a confidence in the way that the camera's moving. The way that the... And maybe that's just my own interpretation of it. But it feels like we've got something good here, you know? I mean, just from Obi-Wan's introduction, you almost feel like this could play in a theater. And people would be applauding, you know, when when each character is introduced. You know what I mean? And even the way that they treat R2 is very... It's almost a throwback. With the sequel trilogy and all that stuff, it just feels so... R2 was sidelined in the sequel trilogy, you mean? Right. But now here he's sort of front and center. Well, not front and center in this episode, but he definitely features strongly. Right. And it's one of those things that it just kind of makes you think that it just feels so different. But then there's these callbacks, you know, the the way that the shots are set up. You know, when Anakin is facing down this, this army... It reminds me a lot of the way Luke faced down, you know, the First Order in The Last Jedi. Yeah. I mean, it's almost got the same exact placement of each, I guess, uh, subject in the frame. And it's like, 
in a lot of ways, you can kind of say, well, th- you know, how else would you frame it? But it seems intentional yeah. that they're they're setting these things up for intentional visual callbacks to the Star Wars we've already seen. And it's done in a way that's delightful. <laughs> it's just it's just awesome. This whole first section is just insane. Like, I cannot believe how good this is. This is so good. And, it, and you almost kind of want to, you know settle into your seat a little more because you you feel like you're on you're in for something special well that something special continues as the 501st and the 212th mop up and anakin takes a call from his secretary ularan who says he has someone called fulcrum on the line which of course is the code name for good old saw guerrera but it's not good old saw guerrera on the line robbie it's good old ahsoka tano who soon lands aboard the command ship along with Lady Bo-Katan and her renegade Mandos, or actually the Death Watch were already renegade Mandos. And Bo-Katan's band are renegades from the Death Watch, so technically these are renegade renegade Mandos. But anyway, after Snips gives Sky Guy's warm welcome, the cold shoulder, the two Jedi, the former Jedi Padawan, and whatever Bo-Katan is, get down to the serious business of trying to crush that pesky cockroach mall once and for all serious business which involves Bo-Katan being all you guys want mall I want Mandalore malls on Mandalore capiche do I have to do the math let's be war friends but old Obi-Wan isn't having it Robbie he's a man of the law and the laws say hands off Mandalore you pesky republic types so Obi-Wan heads off to report to the Jedi Council and Bo-Katan goes off in a huff and that's when Snips And Sky Guy finally gets some alone time, Robbie, which of course leads to the moment we've waited all season for ever since we saw the trailer. Anakin leading Ahsoka to where Rex and the 501st are waiting with all of their lids painted in Ahsoka's honor. Robbie, how did you like Snips and Sky Guy finally catching up again? How did you like Ahsoka and everyone going at it head to head? Ahsoka not holding back. I mean, we know that she has a lot of respect for Obi-Wan. Well, she has that in the past, but here she's really digging in and maybe accusing a few people of a few things that maybe can't be taken back. Yeah, it just continues the awesomeness. And this, I I can't even come up with a better word than that sure-footedness. This confidence the story's moving through, it feels so perfect. It feels like a movie. You know, it feels like a really, really good Star Wars movie. And it's just amazing. I mean, just from the music... During that attack with the 212th and the 501st, I mean, there's something about using specific calls to the older movies right. that just, it's that right, it's, you know, we talked about this the other day. This is that right amount of nostalgia, you know, that you're just like, that's, it's perfect. It's perfectly used. And then I got to tell you, man, when, I mean, let's, let's mark it down on the list of how many times I, uh, I teared up during this episode because I actually did. The first one is when R2 greeted Ahsoka. Same, Robbie. I mean... Same here. There was something so great about that. It's such a simple thing. It's almost like, uh, you know, you see these these videos online of the pets, you know, greeting their masters. (laughs) It's... There's something about it that was just... When the soldier comes home from war. Yes. It was just so perfect. It just... It was so well done. And there was even people calling out on... uh, I don't know if you've been online very much since it premiered. I haven't. People are calling... You know, just the the shot of Ahsoka coming down the ramp is reminiscent of her entrance in the Clone Wars movie. Right. 
and it's I didn't I didn't make that connection, but that's beautifully done. But the R2 just I mean it hit me, and then I mean just little moments like I loved the. Uh, <laughs> it's something where it was kind of like one of those meta things, you know, when Anakin asked, you know, Obadiah, what were you doing there? And she goes, well, that's not relevant right now. I almost was thinking, not relevant right now. I mean, didn't you see the last four episodes? <laughs> you know, did he just like, it's just kind of funny. I, I just thought it was a fun moment. But then again, when that door opens and you see all the clones with the markings, it made me tear up again. And it's one of those things where it's like, I knew this was coming. I've known this was coming for years because I saw Dave break it down on that little celebration panel, you know, and cut and show the, the, you know, the images that, that he, you know, that he'd drawn himself of, of what it was going to look like and all that. And, and seeing, you know, Ashley Eckstein get, get emotional about it. Right. I knew it was coming. I knew exactly what was going to happen. And yet I'm sitting there and I'm just drawn into it. And it's just great, great stuff. God damn it, I've lost my place in my notes again. I, keep, I usually use, just use the arrows to go up and down, but I've started using my mouse, and it's a bad idea because my mouse is too sensitive. Oh, I didn't actually talk about Obi-Wan at all. Just go just go straight into it. Yeah, the Obi-Wan thing, I mean, that was one of those moments where in my head I'm thinking, you know, yeah, Obi-Wan's just the consummate professional. He's always going to be... I mean, there's there's a lot of argument, you know, how right were the Jedi, you know, this whole time. And is it right for the Jedi to, you know, let's sit and talk about this before we we make any moves. But that's one of the things that, you know, Obi-Wan's about the rules. And he's just that consummate professional. And to see him go kind of toe-to-toe with with Ahsoka was kind of interesting. And you can see the points of view of both. And that's, I don't know, I I really enjoyed that too. I mean, it was just a small little moment, but I think it was, uh, it's important to show how far Ahsoka has come at this point and those previous four episodes as good or whatever that you may think they are that's what led her to this point so there you go sure and like you have pointed out a couple of times you felt that the first four episodes I guess of of Ahsoka's reintroduction felt like they were unsure or lacking in confidence and that's how Ahsoka was feeling during those episodes when we first meet her at the start of Gone with a Trace which also was directed by Saul Ruiz she's lost and she is not confident in herself and she is wrong-footed and, uh, and off her game and so it makes sense that those episodes would feel more like that here we are introduced to her as a confident assured Ahsoka and so it makes sense that the episode feels more confident and assured although I did think it was funny that when Obi-Wan came back at her with this, here's how the Jedi Council does things. And Ahsoka says, yeah, I used to think the same way. This is all politics, but I'm thinking about the people, you know, the little people. And you think in that moment, wait a minute, Ahsoka, they want to go back and protect Coruscant, which is exactly where Trace and Rafa are that need the protection. Coruscant's full of little people. That's what you just learned in the last four episodes, right? Right. The people that matter and they need the protection. Why are you telling them? to break the law and abandon Coruscant, which is full of little people. So that made no sense. But maybe that's just a way of showing that Ahsoka is, you know, playing with her heart here and not necessarily being completely rational or something. I don't know. I still liked it, but I always felt like this was Ahsoka maybe not having a full grasp of her own argument. And so, But I like that about this, is what I'm saying, that she was... She wasn't making complete sense in that moment. In fact, she was almost arguing the opposite of what she was trying to argue. But anyway, Ahsoka's argument, even if it's not 100% solid, 
it somehow eventually leads to Obi-Wan flip-turning around on his insistence that the Jedi Council must be consulted before 100-year-old treaties are obliterated into smithereens. Somehow Anakin and Ahsoka between them, or I guess Ahsoka makes her argument it doesn't work, then Anakin says, what about if we do this? What about if we split the Republic forces and send some Republic forces with Ahsoka and then some back to Coruscant? Everything will be fine. And Obi-Wan just completely forgets that the whole point is that they can't send any Republic forces with Ahsoka because that breaks the 100-year-old treaties. So just this, I don't know if everyone's distracted, I don't know if Anakin's using Jedi mind tricks. This bitch has made zero sense to me. But, you know, (laughs) let's just say Obi-Wan was looking for an excuse to, maybe he was secretly winking and we just missed this thing where he winks at Ahsoka and says, this is what I wanted all along. I just needed Anakin to push me. I don't know, it doesn't matter because Ahsoka gets half of the 501st and Rex Robbie finally I've mentioned this before in previous episodes after all the heroics Rex has done Rex is this awesome 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 clone leader finally Rex gets promoted to commander yeah that's pretty awesome isn't it I mean that's something that just kind of happens out of a weird sort of necessity but I didn't actually think about that until you just said it well of course also Sky Guy gifts snips with their old laser swords again, Robbie. Apparently better than you, because now they are blue and they have an extra powerful kind of hum about them. So how did you like the scene of, I guess, Ahsoka getting sent off with a couple of gifts from Anakin? Well, three gifts from Anakin. The two lightsabers and half of the 501st. Yeah, I mean, it's... I mean, I feel like uh, I'm doing nothing but gush about this episode, but it just feels so right. There's few sections or a little, maybe like you said, there's some moments that feel a little off, but for the most part, it just feels so right. And it feels good to see Ahsoka back in control of some clones. So, I mean, whether she really is or not, I mean, that's, I mean, she is, but you know, I guess in on paper, she's not, but I mean, it's so nice to see. Well, something that would have been nice to see, Robbie, would be Ahsoka getting an in-your-face moment to Bo-Katan. But unfortunately, we don't get to see that scene of Ahsoka rubbing it into Bo-Katan that Bo-Katan was wrong with her insistence that they'd get no help from the Republic forces. And Ahsoka being, see, Sky Guy's my guy. He's on our side. He'll help us out. But what we do get to see, Robbie, is Bo-Katan flipping old purple-eyes PML make the bird on her way in. And then it's showtime, Robbie. It's time for some Mando on Mando crime. It's time for some 501st on Mando crime. It's time for some former Jedi on Mando crime. It's also Bo-Katan doing more to Almec than just flipping him the bird. She gets in there and she beats him down. And also, we get to see Ahsoka leading Anakin's gift to her after the 501st, leading them into a mall trap and getting a lot of them killed. How did you like this illegal invasion of Mandalore, Robbie? That leads up to Maul himself coming out of the dark again, as we've seen so many times before. Well, for some reason, I didn't think about the fact that that is the last time we see Anakin and Ahsoka together. Right. This is probably the last time before Anakin turns to the dark side. So this is this is a goodbye at this point. And they're leading into, I mean, it's basically Anakin and Obi-Wan are going off to start episode three. Yeah, right. So You take on Coruscant. Yeah, so this is... Well, the defensive course on is how I should put it. Yeah, <laughs> when you're right. the good guys, right? Right. So, I mean, this is a... I mean, this is that was a big moment, you know? And it's heartbreaking, and it's great, and it's wonderful, and it's sad, and it's awesome all at the same time. Uh, it's just good stuff. I mean, great stuff. 
Okay. <laughs> now, <laughs> what, now you just said the the whole basically the last part. I of just the, basically the said the rest of the episode, like everything right. else, is is the invasion and Ahsoka getting in falling into right. Maul's trap. This whole section is just <laughs> it's so it's so good. I mean, the music is rousing and amazing. I love Rex laughing at Ahsoka as, as she jumps out. That was just a you know one of those great moments. Yeah. Just uh, so good. You know when the the camera basically follows her and the music kicks in and she lands on that gunship and she's fighting. That's where I teared up again because it was just like I don't know. It was just awesome. So that's three times in this episode <laughs> that the waterworks started for no reason at all. I mean, other than you know just love for these characters. It's so good. I mean, I just I don't I just love it. And then when she lands, when she jumps off of that, you know, she saves that that uh, the clone pilot, and as that thing crashes into the into that uh, I guess that platform, and she jumps off, and I mean, it's just come on, it's some great stuff. She slides with her lightsabers digging into the platform to slow it down. Ah, it's so good. And I don't know if this is intentional or not. Seems intentional, but I heard a little bit of Ray's theme in there, in the music. I didn't get that. I didn't pick it up. And I'm wondering, I mean, it's the same notes. I'm almost positive that they're the same notes. There's the whole da-da-da-da-da-da. It's those last four notes okay. that are played that I was like, wait a minute. Is that, I don't know if it's intentional or not, or if it's just the way, you know, natural way that, you know, especially when you're writing music, or at least when I do, sometimes music just, it almost writes itself. It's like it needs to go here to resolve, you know, whatever the, the bars are saying i don't know if that makes any sense i'm sure there's probably some musicians out there that are like oh yeah i know exactly what you're saying everybody else is like that doesn't make any sense it feels like that's almost the way the music has to go but it felt intentional and i don't know if it was or not i'm, I'm curious to know if there will be anything comes out that says that i mean even if it wasn't intentional you know that kevin kind of knows the theme for ray so even if he felt this is where it needs to go he would have listened back to it and thought hey that's Ray's theme as well I mean right who's gonna know John Williams better than Kevin Kiner not very many people will know John Williams every single note better than Kevin Kiner and it's just I don't know I just really really uh enjoyed hearing that but then the way that the rest of the episode plays out I mean you've got Bo-Katan showing some sweet moves on her in, in you know or I guess her attack on all Mac I mean it's not bad for an old man too right he's got <laughs> Oh yeah, like an old that man. was surprising. He's never seemed like a warrior before, but he's got some moves. Yeah, it was very, very cool. And then, of course, you know, when you get down to the end of the, I guess, the sewers or whatever you call that, the underground, it almost plays like a horror movie at that point. Right. You know, it's it's got a very horror kind of feel. And I love the way that the episode just ends almost on a, it's almost on a, like a, like a comma. Like the sentence isn't finished yet. Yeah. You know, in a way. I mean, you just talked about Kevin Connor's music and the episode doesn't end on the usual blaring of the Clone Wars theme. It ends on silence except for the humming of Ahsoka's blades. Yeah. It's great stuff. I mean, I just, it's like I, 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 I'm looking back at this episode now after seeing it twice at this point and I'm just like, I mean, is this the perfect Clone Wars episode? I mean, I don't know. It feels like it. It's pretty dang good, Robbie. And before we get to our summing up, we need to talk about our standout shots of the episode. So we've never done this before, but just so that neither of us steals the other one's favorite shot. Let's say our favorite shot of the episode at the same time. Okay. Three, two, one. The close-up of anyone's expression when Anakin appears on the bridge. (laughs) Are you going to say when Ahsoka lands in front of the exploding ship? Right. 
but it, that was the, my dumb joke because I knew you were going to say that, and so I purposely didn't say it. It's so weird though. But when I saw that shot, I was like, "That is a total Robbie shot." But there's so many. There are so many shots. Yeah. Well, we already actually talked about mine, and I had to hold back from saying it earlier. But my number one standout shot of the episode was the most moving shot of the episode. It was that beautiful long shot of Atui rolling across the landing platform mm. over the hangar bay to greet his old long lost Palisoka. I almost gave it away earlier, Robbie, but this time. I showed the discipline of a Jedi. Hello, everyone. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't spit it out early. But yeah, talk about some of the other shots, because I'm sure you've got a list there. Yeah, there's a ton of them. I mean, like I said, Obi-Wan's intro, the way he just kind of comes out of nowhere, and then that kind of that pan up to show him as he's turning his head. It's just awesome. Of course, Anakin standing down the, the forces there. As you said, R2 greeting Ahsoka, and just the shot of her coming down the... It's weird how it almost plays that shot, or that, that I guess that whole sequence of shots. It almost plays as if you're just a bystander watching it. Yeah. Because she's having a conversation as the ramp is coming down. I just, I don't know. There's so many. And then, of course, all of the action shots, the flying shots, the, you know, the shot when Obi-Wan and Anakin uh, join their ship. I mean, it, it just, everything was so beautifully done. That is, it's a minute doesn't go by without a, a shot of the episode. I mean, the shot of all the clones lined up with Ahsoka's markings on their helmets. I mean, there's so many. The, her reaction to it, you know? Yeah. It's just when she gets her her lightsabers back and does that pose, it's cool too. I mean, there's just so many, many. I mean, I mean, you can just all day long we could go off of that. Yeah, I mean, as usual, I've noted down a couple of other shots that are um, maybe more comedic. I don't know why, but a lot of the shots that are like a cinematic comedy. And so I love that shot of the tactical droid's head bouncing into the foreground as Anakin <laughs> is holding his heroic post-slice pose, you know, out of focus in the background. Just beautifully composed shot. And also the one revealing the 501st hanging from the pipes under the bridge just after Rex gets the report from R2 and the camera sort of pans around and we see all of them hanging there. That wasn't just funny because of what it revealed, but also, of course, Rex tells the troops, just a few more minutes, lads, hang in there, and the one that's closest to him has a resigned, sir, yes, sir. Yeah. You know, when they, they realize they have to hang around just for a little bit longer. But before we bring this one in for landing, Robbie, we need to sum up and give our ratings. So after your two watches of Season 7, Episode 9, Old Friends, not forgotten how did you like it and where does season seven episode nine old friends not forgotten sit on the four star robbie scale is this a 3.75 or is it a four or is it a 4.25 <laughs> well i've given a few fours you know when you look back at the at our ratings i have given a few fours and i i can't see how this one's not a four out of four even with the little you know some of the the little uh i guess lapses in logic you know that you brought up and it's one of those things that for some reason i didn't even think about them when that when i was watching it because i was so into everything else so yeah i don't see how this one is not a perfect four out of four yeah there was something i noted down that i didn't bring up earlier but it relates back to our conversation last week about how do holograms work because when anakin and obi-wan come into the room and ahsoka's on the hologram talking to you laren Ahsoka turns around, you know, 160, 100, to look behind her to see Anakin coming in. And it reminded me of last week. And I last week when it happened, I didn't even think about it. I didn't even think about how these holograms work until you brought it up. And so this week when that happened, I was thinking, 
oh man, I wonder if Robbie's going to bring this up too, because it was the same kind of, like, how can she turn around and see Anakin combined as she can't see anything? But I guess we would go to the same kind of explanation that we did last time, where it's a force thing, you know, because last week it was Maul turning around, you know, and he can feel things in the force, and this week it was Ahsoka, so anyway, that was just one of those little things where it's something that doesn't need an explanation, but it just... I don't know. One of those things that I thought of. I'm not even going to mess around anymore, Robbie. I've got it at nine jetpack piloting 501st clones and Ahsoka helmets out of ten. And I feel like if I watch this another time, I might even get up to ten. Because, like, there's a couple of little nits that I picked. I don't know why. And I don't. Maybe this is really a ten. Maybe I should be giving this a ten, Robbie. You know what? It is a ten. This is a ten jetpack piloting 501st clones and Ahsoka Hammonds out of ten. Those little things that I brought up earlier, they don't matter. They don't actually matter. So that's mission accomplished for season seven, episode nine, old friends not forgotten. So, Robbie, won't you please take a moment to let all the troops out there know what are our communications channels? Sure, no problem. We are Bucho and Robbie at Gmail, on Twitter, and on Instagram. That's B-U-C-H-O. A-N-D-R-O-B-B-Y. Yes, sir. And of course, the troops can join us again next time for the 131st episode in the StarWars.com Clone Wars Chronology Season 7, Episode 10, The Phantom Apprentice. So, no prizes for guessing which character next week's title refers to, Robbie. Sounds like we got a Jar Jar episode coming at us. And until then, <laughs> this is your old buddy, Bucho alongside your trusty pal Robbie, and we are out. Remember, you can support Sending the Clothes for free simply by rating and reviewing the show on iTunes or any other podcast platform, and Bucho and Robbie will read the review on a future feedback episode. And speaking of feedback episodes, you can also send either a text or an audio message of 60 seconds or less to Bucho and Robbie at gmail.com. May the force be with you. Yeah.